Blog Talk Radio. Corruption. Racism. Xenophobia. White supremacy. Healthcare protections hanging by a thread. Law enforcement encouraged to commit acts of brutality. Peaceful people being separated from their families. And at the helm, a man beholden to Russia who is so unhinged that his actions could actually lead us to nuclear war. Join Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Together we must stand against the destruction of this country and the ideals we hold dear. Before it's too late. from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation is area code 914-205-5772. That is area code 914-205-5772. If you want to join us in the chat room, you can also join us there at blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan on the show page. Uh, you can also leave your comments on the show thread at liberaldan.com, or you can comment and interact with me on Twitter at Liberal Dan Radio on Twitter or Facebook.com slash Liberal Dan. Uh, the bottom half of the hour, I'll be talking to Jim Francis. He is one of the people that I'm going to be having on the show in order to uh, discuss people who are riding the blue wave and who will be seeking to take back Congress in 2018 because that's the first and important step. Of course, he has a big... Uh, hurdle in front of him uh, in that he will be going up against Steve Scalise, but every congressional district should have people trying to challenge incumbencies, even if those incumbencies are considered safe. And um, I have a special place in my heart for people who are progressive, who want to try and take over, uh, help the Democrats take over uh, as the representation for that district, considering that is the district that I also ran for in when I ran for Congress 14 years ago. So, wow, it seems like a very long, it is a very long time ago since that happened. And, and the, the, the district maps have changed uh, in that district simply because of the fact that since then we've lost a congressional seat. So it's mostly the North Shore, and there's some other, I think, little bits and pieces around. But it's it's going to be a tough tough road to hoe. But I'm I'm not looking to have people on my show based off of the ease that they will have on winning. I think that's a problem in the media these days that they ignore races just because people are so supposedly considered safe. Um, when people are considered safe, that's when they become complacent. So we will be talking with Jim at the bottom half of the hour uh, to be discussing his campaigns, the policy issues that he supports, and why he thinks he is the person of all of the Democratic field who have announced so far, who will be seeking to unseat the, the whip, the majority whip, Steve Scalise. Um, always First, I'd like to start off the show with this week's headlines. Sumter County has opened its first integrated school since the ruling in Brown versus Board of Education. Seriously. Since Brown versus Board of Education, Sumter County had not had an integrated school until now. But it's a charter school, so meh. In Florida, the man who police refused to charge because they claimed he stood his ground was finally charged with manslaughter for killing the boyfriend of the woman he was yelling at after he was shoved once by said boyfriend. The wheels of justice sometimes move slowly, but at least in Florida, they're moving. 
the owner of Master P Cake Shop, who narrowly won a Supreme Court case about his previous discrimination, is back again suing the state of Colorado after he denied a trans woman the ability to get her cake made at her shop. I just want to know if there's anybody that he will make a cake for. Governor Andrew Cuomo drew gasps when he said that we can't make America great again because it was never great. He gave several examples, but perhaps the election of Trump is all one would need to prove that claim, eh, Governor? In Georgia, thieves escaped with almost $100,000 worth of ramen noodles. How does one carry around at least a million packs of ramen anyway? Just doesn't seem likely. And that was this week's headline. So, got a lot of stuff going on this week. And we will be talking again with Jim Francis at the bottom of the hour. However, there is many, many other things to discuss this week that have been going on. First and foremost, the one thing that happened today is that President Trump has revoked John Brennan, the ex-CIA director, from having his security clearance. Now, what's the problem with this? So, John Brennan, you know, had been critical of the president, as this is right. He is no longer a current sitting CIA director. He's a former CIA director. So, but the, here's the problem. The reason is why he's doing it is because there's some sort of reason. Did Brennan give any sort of reason that proves that he's untrustworthy with our nation's secrets and can no longer uh, have that clearance uh, to be able to help? You know, both with um, talking to people currently in the CIA as kind of an advisor in an advisory role, or, or maybe perhaps working in the public sector. You know, with or private sector, I mean, with you know companies who might also be either working for the government or in some way need a legitimate person who has secret clearance. So it doesn't appear that Brennan has done anything other than criticize the president. So apparently in this presidency, you have to toe the line, even when you're no longer working for an administration, in order to have access, I guess to have the clearance to have access to the, such top secret. And according to Press Secretary, Secretary Sarah Sanders, um, his, he, quote, has a history that calls his credibility into question, end quote. So, wait a second. What is this history? They need to go into detail. She says, the president has a constitutional responsibility to protect classified information and who has access to it. Now, there is, but they've given us no reason as to why we should believe that the president needs to take this action in the case of Brennan, um, as according to John Brennan, uh, his tweet, action is part of a broader effort by Mr. Trump, I like how they call him Mr. Trump, uh, to suppress freedom of speech and punish critics. It should gravely worry all Americans, including intelligence professionals, about the cost of speaking out. My principles are worth more than clearances. I will not relent. And good for him. We need people who are going to stand up and fight. And the, the idea that, you know, th this is just, I mean, he's, Donald Trump is just a man, baby. He, he's, I mean, he's acting like a child and we, and, and so it just wonder, you just wonder how much childlike behavior is it going to take for people to go, you know what? I'm sick of this. I have some conservative friends on my Facebook page. Um, and I'm seeing there are some individuals and the more open-minded they are to, you know, left-wing ideas. I mean, they're not die-hard, die-in-the-wool conservatives. I mean, the more likely they are to kind of be done with him. Like, they'll still call themselves conservatives, but they're absolutely done with him. And this is just, I'm sure, is going to be the straw that broke break some people's backs. I don't know if they'll break, it'll break all the people's backs, but it'll break some people's backs, potentially. 
Um, and they're also looking into removing the clearance of other people like James Clapper, Susan Rice, CIA Director Michael Hayden, who worked under President Bush. So it's going to be interesting to see. It's according to Adam Schiff, Representative Adam Schiff. Uh, in, in adding John Brennan to his enemies list, Trump demonstrates again how deeply insecure and vindicative he is. The two character flaws dangerous in any president. An enemies list is ugly, undemocratic, and un-American. I also believe this action to silence a critic is unlawful. So, you know, what I want to see, though, is more conservatives coming out and saying, look, this is absolutely wrong. We cannot be and should not be doing this, period. James Comey. Once again, this president is sending a message that he will punish people who disagree with him and reward those who praise him. In a democracy, security clearances should not be used as pawns in petty political games to distract voters from even bigger problems. This president befriends and praises despots and dictators like Putin and Kim Jong-un. Those friends provide stark contrast to the patriotic Americans and public servants he disrespects, threatens, and calls enemies. A war hero like John McCain, members of our country's free press, and devoted public servants like John John Brennan. American voters must not shrug off or be distracted from the terrible behaviors of this president who lies to the American people every day, encourages racism, is a misogynist, and always puts his own interests above those of the United States of America. Politicians enabling this president should be held accountable in future elections. We are each responsible for what we say as well as for our silence. Pretty strong words there from James Comey. Of course, you know, James Comey could be viewed as someone who perhaps was partially to blame for the reason that we have Trump in the first place. But apparently all the conservatives who applauded him for doing what he did with looking into the Hillary email case also then turned on him as soon as he turned around because, you know, ideological purity is not necessarily one needs to have when it comes to keeping a consistent position. However, you have to always be going against the Democrats. And if you, if you do something that's going to say something bad against Herr Trump, I'm sorry, Comrade Trump, um, Comrade Trump is typically much better, I believe, because of how beholden to Russia he is. It's, you know, there are people who have actually made a statement now that it's they don't care about if there's Russian collusion. They're fine with the Russian collusion as long as it gave us Trump. It doesn't matter to them that he's beholden to Russia. We have Trump, and that's all they care about. These people are not, you know, it's hard to call them Republicans in that they are not for the Republic. They're for Trump. Trumpians or Donaldians or whatever you want to call it when one is uh, beholden to the orange man. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Okay, let's go ahead and take the first commercial break. Uh, come back and taking your calls as well. That's uh, area code 914-205-5772. Area code 914-205-5772. This is Liberal Day and Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kind of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. Are you someone who is looking to get into the ride-sharing business, be it for a side hustle or a full-time gig? 
Are you currently a rideshare driver wondering how to increase your earnings? Are you simply a new rider looking for first-time rider credits? Head on over to RideshareDan.com for those first-time rider credits, sign-up bonuses for new drivers, and my tips and tricks to help you make more money in the gig economy. And welcome back to Liberal Band Radio Talk from the Left. That's right. To join the conversation, it's 914-205-5772. That's 914-205-5772. We're just talking about Donald Trump and his uh, actions in removing the security clearance of his political enemies. And this is just one more step um, towards tyranny. One more step towards towards eliminating your political enemies and, and making sure that they can't have um, the ability to speak up or, or fear punishment. Uh, not everybody is going to be as strong as Mr. Brennan was. And, you know, some people may be like, well, now I, I rely on these clearances for my, for my jobs. I can't speak out anymore or else I'm going to hurt my family. And that's how it starts. So, well, I mean, it started a long time ago with many other things, but it's part of just one of the steps involved in, in, Setting up something that we don't want to see set up. And it's a damn shame that people are sitting here just applauding, applauding this president and what he's doing. I'm sure there are plenty of people who are on the conservative media sites going, yeah, that's right. You take away Brennan's clearance. He shouldn't have had it in the first place. Blah, 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 blah. Just it's terrible. Wish I had a prediction like I had for last week's show. Um... Uh, you know, in the headlines, you know, we did talk about talked about the Alabama county that just opened its first integrated school. So what what happened? Um, why was this the case? Well, for a long time, ever since Brown versus Board of Education, uh, places in the South, including Sumter County, created these things called segregation academies. Basically, it was for white students to go to these private schools for white students to go to, and so the even though these counties, and they were majority black, but these schools were like 99%, almost 100% black. Because all the white kids went to these private segregation academies. Probably because, you know, in the existence of these counties since the Civil War, you probably had the white people in those areas uh, with a head start. And they were able to get their foot in, not politically, but financially, in order to get, the ability to have at this point funds to attend a private school, whereas the poor black population was less likely to be able to do that. So therefore you had a segregated school system default because all the white kids went to private schools. And you see a little bit of that here in Louisiana where you know, go to North shore, you know, the, the public school systems are, are better. Um, but you also have a lot of people, you know, up there it's very white up there. And so especially some of the areas and you, this is some of the areas that actually, you know, in the first congressional district, very white and you wind up having a de facto segregation where all the white people move away. Now in this particular Sumter County, uh, white parents and families did move away either for better job opportunities or what have you moved to different counties, moved to different States. And apparently a charter school is going to be opening in this place. And the charter school has maybe, you know, maybe, slightly over 50% black people, black students, slightly under 50% white students or what have you. So now by default, you do have an integrated school, even though it's a charter school. I'm not super happy about that. Now, I'm not exactly sure what the details are about this particular school. Does this particular school, is, is that the only charter in the area? Is it the white charter still? I mean, it still sounds problematic. So I'm going to have to do some more research into this particular school and see if it's the only charter school in the county or if there are other charter schools or if the, if the county went full charter just like New Orleans did and never go full charter. Never go full charter. It's just a bad idea. Another interesting thing discussed in the headlines is uh, the Masterpiece Cake Shop. 
Uh, the owner sues the Colorado sues Colorado after refusing to bake a trans woman cake. Now, one might ask, and I have a trans friend who did ask, why would you go to this store? And it's a valid point. You know, this guy has already proven himself to be a major ass. So why would you continue to try and shop at this store? Well, maybe the person with ignorance of the previous problems had doubtful, but Maybe the person is ignorant. Okay. So this new case, uh, in June 2017, um, Autumn Scardina placed an order for a cake uh, in, you know, with a pink ex- interior, pink interior, blue exterior, to celebrate the anniversary of her coming out as a transgender woman. Phillips refused to make the cake, saying, I'm going to celebrate the message of Congress Truth, which belief in them. That sex, the status of being male or female, is given by God, is biologically determined, blah, 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 blah. Now, scientifically speaking, you know, it, should the courts rule whether or not sex is given by God? If somebody has XY chromosomes and develops primary and secondary sex characteristics belonging to a female, was that done by God? In this case, should that person be able to transition to the gender that that person feels? That person feels as if that person should be a male, even though that person develops as a female despite having a Y chromosome? I mean, I bring this person up a lot because this person was a guest on my show. And this is the exact thing that happened with this person. Um, so, so he filed a, she filed a complaint. With the, uh, the I, was th- I thought he had filed a complaint, the uh, owner of the masterpiece, but no, Scardina. She filed a complaint with the state's civil rights commission, claiming discrimination on her sex. Uh, commission found probable cause that Phillips violated anti-discrimination law, prohibits businesses from refusing service based on race, sex, marital status, or orientation. It ordered the parties into mediation. Um, in his lawsuit, um, the Supreme Court allows him to deny his customers religious reason, even though the court very narrowly decided for the owner of this cake shop. And the only reason he decided for the court, he was victorious in the Supreme court was because the court found that the commission like was going after him and not that he has the flat out ability to refuse to serve customers who are LGBTQ. So it's, going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Um, we will see. It's just interesting that you know, this guy, is, after becoming victorious, has to go again and again and again and again and again. And so, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. This is just greatly frustrating in that, you know, you're open to the public. You, you benefit from public services. You, generally speaking, I, I'm in disagreement with the guy. And he's everybody. Yeah. The only place I think that this guy has a leg to stand on, and I'll admit that he will have a leg to stand, potentially have a leg to stand on here, is it's not that... I've always made the argument, and I've already stated that when he refused to make the cake for the gay couple, he was basically refusing to make a wedding cake for a couple who was gay. It wasn't the design he was refusing. It was the fact that he was refusing to make a cake that he would have made for anybody else except for that this was a gay couple. And that's problematic. In this case, it could be argued that the design of the cake, i.e. blue on the outside, pink on the inside, to represent the transition. I mean, aren't we all pink on the inside? <laughs> anyway, um, the, the fact that it's blue on the outside, pink on the inside, that's a design decision that this customer wanted this cake maker to make. And the cake maker could probably make the argument that it is not the customer that he's 
discriminated against. He just can't be forced to make a design that is against his religious beliefs. That's where he may have a leg to stand on. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how his lawsuit goes. Um, just it's just the, the cruelness and meanness that people seem to have. It, it, it's not against your religion to make a cake. Even that cake. It's not, the cake's not sitting there saying, I, I believe in trans folk. You know, I mean, does the guy, if I go to his, his shop and have a cake ordered um, that represents an old earth. Happy birthday. Happy, happy six billionth birthday earth or universe, or what have you. Will he deny that, too, because it's against his religion? Because if, if he's a young earther, he's a young earth creationist, I don't know if he's a young earth creationist, but still, it just makes me question. Makes me question what... Um, excuse me. What his... Pure beliefs are. Is this really a matter of his beliefs? And I mean, what if I wanted a Jewish cake done there? I mean, a Jewish cake would go against his beliefs technically. Would he deny Muslims the ability to have that cake made? I mean, I don't know. Like, that's the problem with if you're open to the public, the safest bet is to just make everybody cake. I mean, unless. What's the person who's clearly making an offense? Like, if some gay couple wanted this guy to make a cake that involved, like, sexual acts designed on the icing. And this guy, I would probably believe that he would deny anybody that ability. If he had a straight couple come in, be like, hey, we want to write, we want a cake that that is very naughty and represents uh, the fact that you know, this is the day that we lost our virginities to each other, or this is the day that we first had sex, and we wanna we wanna have a very naughty cake on it, or happy threesome day, or or something. You know, I would understand at that point why he wouldn't want to make that cake, and I would say, yeah, he probably wouldn't make that cake um, for anybody, and then it's not discrimination. So we'll see. We will see how that case turns out. We will see how now another interesting thing before we hit the final break is that Pennsylvania um, grand jury found that there were 300 priests who defiled and sexually abused over a thousand children and potentially even thousands of children and that the church covered up for decades. Now, this is no surprise to anybody. I mean, we've all heard about what the Catholic Church has done. Now, the sad thing is that whenever I start criticizing the Catholic Church, the, the priests who molested the kids, the other priests and hierarchy in the church that covered up for these problems that happened in, in, these, in the churches, you know, it's not, it's not one link in the chain that was flawed. It's not one branch of the, of the hierarchy tree, hierarchical tree that was flawed. This is a culture of child rights that existed in, within the Catholic Church for a very long time. And when I'm criticizing that culture and I'm criticizing the people that both did the actions and helped the cover-up, and even helped move priests from one parish to another, criticizing individual parishioners, not criticizing individual Catholics for believing the religion that they want to believe in. You believe that Catholicism is the correct way and the right way to go to find salvation? Great. Happy for you. If you are involved in the cover-up or in the molestation of children, I'm not happy for you. I'm pissed at you, but nobody should be surprised 
nobody should be surprised at all when things come up about the church if people just kind of assume the worst because they have that history. It's hard to trust an organization where such covering up was rampant. And again, I'm not attacking Catholics, not saying that individual Catholic parishioners aren't at all to blame for this. Now, maybe there are some people who are to blame because they turned an eye because they heard about it and didn't report it. But most Catholics are not in the priesthood. Most Catholics are not in the archdiocese hierarchy. Most Catholics are not responsible for making decisions that either prey on children or cover up the preying of children. So just be very clear, I'm not attacking Catholics. This is a big issue on my page because a lot of people took my word and said, oh, you're attacking Catholics. I'm like, no, I'm not. Stop it. Stop being ridiculous. Anyway, let's go ahead. We're going to take our uh, next commercial break, and we'll be back afterwards and continue the show. And if you want to call in, it's area code 914-205-5772. That's area code 914-205-5772. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. Are you someone who is looking to get into the ride-sharing business, be it for a side hustle or a full-time gig? Are you currently a rideshare driver wondering how to increase your earnings? Are you simply a new rider looking for first-time rider credits? Head on over to RideshareDan.com for those first-time rider credits, sign-up bonuses for new drivers, and my tips and tricks to help you make more money in the gig economy. And welcome back to Liberal Band Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it is area code 914-205-5772. That is area code 914-205-5772. As I've said before, I am doing a series of shows through the November elections. That will be discussing candidates and inviting candidates on who are trying to ride the blue wave, who are trying to take back Congress, Um, and uh, this first guest in that series uh, is somebody who is running in the district that I ran in 14 years ago. Uh, His name is Jim Francis. Uh, uh, He is also an IT nerd like me. Uh, I'm a software developer. He studied computer engineering um, and was an IT director in a commercial laboratory in Covington, Louisiana. And um, again, we're, we're both, uh, we're charged, I guess, or had, the, had the, the, the will to go ahead and try and take on a very big challenge, which is the Louisiana 1st Congressional District. So I'd like to just now introduce Jim to my audience. Thank you very much, Jim, for calling in and being my first uh, Take Back Congress guest. Oh, Dan, thank you so much for having me on. It's my pleasure. So uh, tell us all a little bit about yourself and what uh, got you wanting to run in this election. Well, uh Jim Francis. I live in Covington. I'm on the North Shore, about a half hour outside of New Orleans. I have been doing IT and infrastructure security for over 20 years. And what got me to run? Uh, Great question. First of all, Trump's election. 
And right. I didn't mind so much with, <clears throat> excuse me, Republicans being an, an opposition party, but uh, we knew that the moment they were going to be in charge, that things were going to go downhill and go down fast. And they went down faster than I could have ever imagined. And I don't believe we're being represented at all by Steve Scalise. Uh, in fact, I know we're not. So I said I started Indivisible back in, in March on the North Shore. And in January, after talking to my wife for two two months solid, decided to give it everything I've got. And here we are well, eight and a half months later. That's awesome. And, you know, I've my first conversation with Steve Scalise was on the phone um, back in 2004 because he had – chosen to drop out of the race um, and to let Bobby Jindal win, but Mm -hmm. he didn't necessarily endorse. And he basically didn't seem too happy that uh, somebody who had moved to the district just to run. So, uh, but he also, he's been nice to me, but he also, again, is is not somebody whose um, political ideals I I can line up with. And and partially I feel, you know, it's kind of, kind of hard for me to sit there and 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 say you know a bunch of good things when he's sponsoring legislation you know like with you know anti-lgbt type stuff and the one of the people who basically saved his life was somebody who was lgbt and so how how can you continue to how can you continue to to fight that fight when the people you're hurting with that fight one of them saved your life. You know, I would be indebted to the, I would be indebted to anybody who saved my life and, you know, want, want to fight and help, you know, that person, especially if that person is part of a um, underprivileged group or whatever. But um, let's talk a little yeah, bit about um, policy positions. Like what, what are your main um, policy positions that you, or your, as you would say, I guess on your website, uh, priorities? Yeah, my priorities, uh, I believe health care is number one for everybody. Um, you know, we're seeing Trump's personal sabotage of the Affordable Care Act um, just decimate uh, premiums and nearly double them. And, and that, that's really bothersome to me. The Affordable Care Act has a lot of good strengths. Of course, it needs work. One of the things I really like about it, obviously, is the pre-existing conditions being covered. The other big factor is mental health coverage, which many insurance companies simply refuse to cover. And if you want to tie that into our gun ep- epidemic they were having through this country, the mass shooters, a lot of these individuals never got the mental health care that they need. Right. And I think that's a big factor moving forward. But also, I, the personal mandate to me is very, very important for, for a couple of reasons. For, first of all, lowering the premium, premiums of everybody – but also that, you know, that, that younger individual who, who is risking things by not having insurance, he needs or she needs to be responsible for themselves. Otherwise, that burden comes on to all of us. And I don't, I don't like to see that because I, I guarantee there will be a 24-year-old healthy male that wakes up tomorrow and finds out he's got cancer. You right. know, and then he goes out and gets, gets insurance. So, again, you know, we're, it's, it's not helping any of us to – and, and why can he get? And why could he then get insurance if he if he waited because the preexisting well, condition well, causes? Exactly. So what what they do is, without the personal mandate, you can literally just walk in and just get it at any time. Right. So I I encourage the idea. My ultimate goal, obviously, is expanding Medicare dramatically, even a Medicare for all scenario, and that's going to take time. That's going to be an uphill battle. But we, I think we could do the Affordable Care Act within months. We could get it back on its feet, guarantee right. the payments to the providers, lower the cost, because that's the major drive for the, the increase is, is the risk that these insurance companies are taking um, as a part of that. So, I, I mean, when I say Medicare for all, Republicans just shudder in fear, um, which, right. which I, I, I have to remind them, you know, that we're the Democrats are, you know, the, basically the Roosevelt party we we created medicare we created social security and every time we did that the entire half of the you know the republican populations have said oh my god you're going to throw us into the biggest this will never work what a failure 
ask today, nobody wants to give up their Medicare. They think it's a fantastic right. program. And, and anybody that works their life and, and qualifies for Social Security should absolutely get it. And they're counting on it. That's how they're planning their retirement. When, I, they, when it, I had a previous so when I had a previous show, I had a previous show on the radio um, and with another uh, Democrat in the area. And um, I was doing interviews of people at one of these healthcare rallies while they were debating the healthcare. And this older woman in Metairie uh, basically said, government better not lay a hand on my Medicare. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that reminds me of the, the polling they did under Obama. Yeah. Do you like Obamacare better or do you like Affordable Care Act better? You right. know, Affordable Care Act had like 70% approval and Obama had like 38. I mean, it just goes to show what, what Republican propaganda and Fox News really could pull off, which is way too much in my my opinion. Oh, so, absolutely. And, it's, but, you know, I have to say I'm impressed, though, because, you know, I, when I make the arguments, you know, about, you know, why we need a mandate while also having a pre-existing condition cause because then you're going to bankrupt companies because – they can't say no to everybody. You turn health insurance into like health discount plans, and it just will ruin everybody. And I've I hardly ever hear many people understand that and grasp that who are especially like newcomers to politics. It, it's, it's so it's impress, impressive that you got that already. So it's good that you're there. So it's good that you understand that, yeah. that that's what you need. Um, that's what you need up in, in Congress. People who understand that fact. Because if you don't understand that fact, you know, in my opinion, you yeah. can't even start to debate the healthcare um, issue. And let me, and I'll uh, tell you a little insight about that. This is a little personal revelation about me. I mean, 670,000 people every year file bankruptcy due to Medicare or due, due to mm-hmm. medical costs. I'm sorry. And this happened sure. to me four years ago. I was working for a major corporation, had what I thought was fantastic healthcare, ended up in the ICU for four and a half days, off work for three weeks, recovering. You combine the lost wages with the three weeks, the unbelievably high bills that I received from the Medicare, uh, medical procedures, and it, it threw me into my only choice was bankruptcy. And people are doing this. I mean, every you just do the math. You know, how many per day are filing bankruptcy directly because of medical costs, not because of you know being you know crazy with their finances or not being responsible, but due to medical costs. It's a big, big right. issue. And it affects all. Yeah, it, it, it affects, and, and you know, I mean, even I had a plan. My my plan wasn't a bronze plan at all at my previous employer, and it was, you know, I missed jumping from one plan to another plan. I had a kidney stone that hit seven days too early. If it would have hit seven days later, my my plan was changing to a, just a three hundred fifty dollar copay for the ER. I'd have had to pay twelve hundred bucks for this little stupid kidney stone. Just because that's how horrible our insurance system is. And I'm already paying exactly. like I'm paying 750 bucks a month for a family plan to cover my whole family, and then I have to pay a thousand bucks because a little stone decides it's going to start making its way from my kidney. It's yeah. terrible. Exactly. And a person so, in that same it, scenario without the mm-hmm. insurance goes to the emergency room, and then it becomes you know. A thirty thousand dollar procedure, you know, to have that taken care of and everything else, and that's another that's a perfect example of that personal mandate that we need. And you obviously were taking care of yourself exactly the way you're supposed to. Timing was bad, <laughs> right? <laughs> I exactly. I mean, so. it happens, but you know, and my wife wound up having to go to the emergency room a few weeks later, and hers was only three fifty, so we could pay hers boom like that. But <laughs> I'm still. I'm still paying on that, that, that kidney stone because I'm like, you know what? I can't pay all this $12,000 right now. So just a little payment plan, you know, unfortunately, you know, I went through um, down here in new Orleans. I went through one of the West Jefferson, which one of the real nonprofit uh, hospitals as opposed to auctioner, which is pseudo nonprofit. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So another, another big issue if you wanted to move mm-hmm. on is uh, sure. for, for me, obviously it's going to be jobs. And what we just saw with the report, it was released when uh, last Wednesday, uh, we saw mass improvement for corporate profits. We saw the average worker. This is after 10 years of stagnant wages drop after the tax cut of four tenths of a percent. It's, it's just unbelievable how the Republicans are trying to market this as one of their sales tools 
for this this election coming. You know, it, it's just it kind of boggles the mind. I mean, why why do Republicans set their benchmark for what they can achieve directly tied to corporate profits? I mean, I think that is the difference. The Democrats do not do that. They tie their benchmark for achievement to quality of life. And I right. find that to be the biggest difference between the two parties. And, and you have really the example of, I think, the people that are on the right who tend to vote Republican are, might not be I- I- impacted by those tax cuts immediately, but they're like, maybe one day I'll get that rich, and, and then I'll be able to have – I'll be able to benefit from this stuff too. Whereas, you know, the, right. the, the economies of scale that prevents uh, people from being able to do that, the, the barriers to entry in, into, you know, into certain fields, all these things, all these roadblocks are, are, are getting in these people's way. It's, it's almost like to go way back in the day. Why, why did poor Southern whites, fight for the Confederacy because they felt that one day they could too be a plantation owner and live that dream. Exactly. So why am I going to give up my dream, even though my dream is never going to come true? And that's part of it. There's another part of it, which is, which is if you can look down on somebody else and yeah. see how bad, how, how worse they off they are than you, then you're spending less time looking up and seeing how much great, how much those people looking down on you are going, ha ha fools. So, yeah, a good friend of mine in, in Metairie who, uh, to him, we, we've had this conversation. He narrows it down to those with and those without empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it just and, and that kind of struck me as you know that that's a very simple way to look at it, but it's also possibly dead on. You know, right. that those that, you know, only worry about me and only worry, you know, they really don't care about the others. And you can explain all day long how that affects you directly. And they just, they don't see it. They don't care. You know, people voting against their own interests just over and right. over and over. And corporations sit back and just laugh. They, they're, they're reaping all the benefits. Right. And like, the problem is, like, you have a lot of people who don't understand, like, when, when people say, oh, no, when you give these people these tax cuts, especially on these uh, repatriated funds, giving them a cut on funds that are they're repatriating from overseas, um, these, they're just going to use it to buy back stock. They're not going to use it to, um, right. to, do any, to do anything else other than to buy back stock um, or to maybe increase their own benefits of, the, of their you know, the corporate uh, board members and other um, people who are in charge of these companies. And then – you know, when it happens that they actually go ahead and buy back their stocks, I mean, I mean, a lot of people probably just don't even just understand what that means. So, therefore, it doesn't mean anything to them. Since they, can't, they don't get it. So, yeah, exactly. It is also, I, I am glad to see um, protecting Louisiana's coast and environment on your list of priorities. When I ran way back in the day, um, 2004, um, that was my top priority. I, I ran around the North Shore uh, which is most of the district at the time. I think it's all of the district now, correct? Is it mostly North no, Shore we've, we've now? Got, no, we've got parts of Orleans, all of Jefferson, Metairie, Kenner, and then, okay. you know, the North Shore and the Homa, Plaquemines. It's, it's all spread yeah. out all over the place. Yeah, basically the the, the second congressional dis- district, you know, what is this, bisected yeah. or something. Uh, it, it's terrible. It, the same thing <laughs> happened when I was... But I made it. I was all up. I remember being at the Covington State Fair, and I was talking to this guy, and I said, "Look, you know, um, my first, you know, anybody can talk about healthcare because at the time that was Bobby Jindal's thing was healthcare. Everybody can talk about healthcare. Um, we have a lot of experts up there that can deal with that, but nobody's talking about coastal restoration, hurricane protection. That's the biggest issue facing this area. And the guy's like, "Well, I'm on the North Shore. I don't." I don't care about, you know, that sort of thing. And I said, you'll care about it when gas hits $4 a gallon. He was like, that'll never happen. And my biggest regret is never getting his phone number. Because what happened? I know. That year, year we did have Ivan, and Ivan was a near miss. But then the next year, we had Katrina. And where did gas go? Skyrocketed. Yep. I wish I had that guy's number. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I, I mean, people don't. In Shreveport, they don't consider restoration of the coast a priority. Right. You know, uh, if, 
a great documentary, Harry Shearer, The Big Uneasy. I don't know if you've seen right. it. But, but he works with the core. He works with the people, the scientists, you know, that were studying the, the ground and how this flow happened. And they, we've removed nature's biggest barrier to hurricanes. And it's that first mile of swampland that's all cypress groves. That cut right. the hurricane down by 50%. That first right. mile, we don't have it anymore. So, you know, Katrina was not nearly as bad as uh, you would have expected. It turned out to be because of that lack of land, far far worse than right. than you know what it normally would have been. And the other thing that this affects is the port. And when we talk about you know when we're we're subjected to hurricanes and things like this, um, the port itself has a hard time making those trips. Everything gets more expensive. You know, you right. factor in tariffs and the fifty percent drop in steel, um, which since we're on the subject, um, you know, they have to go up to the Midwest to drop off all this steel. They pick up all the agriculture, all the poultry, everything, and bring it back down to the port. Well, when they're making half as many trips for the steel, they have to do special trips for the poultry and everything else, as you'd expect. And that just, that just adds massive amounts of cost to our food. You know, the farmers are getting it twice. I mean, they're getting the tariffs, and they got to pay more to have it shipped down. Right. You know, it just it just – Things need to start working smoother, you know. Right. Drives me insane. Now, now one of the things that I found, of course, is when I ran up there and then I helped the next candidate run up there, and I, you know, my kind of aid that I was able to give kind of trickled off over the years. Um, but it's a very conservative district, obviously. I mean, and you've got and you've got Steve Scalise who is in charge he was in his house whip and you know if something happens he could potentially become you know speaker if if the, if the democrats can't win um which is a very powerful position uh to have of course the last time we had a potential speaker uh coming up the ranks he wound up having to resign because he cheated on his wife so i mean it's, it's not it's not the great position for someone in the first congressional district to be first congressional district is full of people or has been full represented by people who tend to not be very good at uh, staying faithful to their wives between him and then Vitter. Um, you know, who knows? Oh. I, mean, I guess one thing that Bobby, I, one thing, a good thing I can say about Bobby Jindal is I, I, I don't know of him ever having strayed from his wife. So, I mean, I, <laughs> that's pretty, it's a pretty low bar to set uh, for your representatives, but uh, you know, considering it is, yes, considering it's a very conservative district and they seem to not care about such things up there. Um, at least when it comes to the Republicans representing them. Um, what kind of message are you bringing to those when you speak to conservative voters or when you, when you speak to people, mm-hmm. uh, how are you, um, how are you bringing your message to them? How are you selling yourself? You know, are you trying to convince them that, that supporting your policy positions and rejecting the, the, the way that the, what the Republicans are doing is that is that your goal or or are what what it, ways it are is, you trying to is, have a common ground? It is to a degree, yes, it is. What I'm doing, I mean, that common ground is kind of the theme of my entire campaign. And what we're doing is when we're able to engage with moderate Republicans, I tell them just straight up, you're not giving up your conservative values by voting for me. You're just voting for somebody to finally represent you. You know, I, I'm I'm not. I mean, for example, 2012, Steve Scalise votes against the Violence Against Women Act. I mean, who does that? You right. know, uh, so I mean, there's there's just a long line, and people don't know his voting record. People aren't as engaged, let's say you as you and I, you know, and that's fine, you know. But when it affects you and pertains to you, and things that eventually you're going to lose, you know, due to this. I am a safe alternative, and that's what I tell them. And I'll say, you know, you can vote Republican in two years, whatever. Let's get Scalise out. He's, a, he's, the, he's an ultimate failure for, the, for 99.8% of the district. You know, he only focuses on corporations and allowing them to be more profitable by taking advantage of more of our natural resources without any, you know, having to be, any responsibility of paying their fair share. And I'm right. I'm so incredibly against that, you know. But I still find I find the, the moderate Republican women, uh, typically in the suburban areas, are on board with that message. 
The husbands are not. Right. The husbands well, like, kind of like this chaos. And that's, that's kind of the dirty secret about, about Republicans sometimes is that, you know, you may have the good Republican wife out and about and who plays good, good lit music, but at the end of the day, they go in that booth, they might flip that switch for the Democrat because they understand that they're really voting for their best interests by doing that now. And, and, and their kids' best interests and their grandkids' right. best interests. I, it's just uh, it's frustrating. It really is. And also, I've had good luck with Republican millennials. Um, okay. I've, I've been in touch with all the five major universities throughout the district. And I've talked to large groups, and at first they don't like it because I'm a Democrat. You know, they grew up in a house where their parents said Democrats bad, Republicans good. But I start right. talking to them, and I say, I understand, you know, what you're walking out into after graduating. You know, I've experienced that myself. I know what that's like, and and I know that sense of of you know just having losing complete interest in having a career after all those years in college all that money that you owe, you know, and then factor in, look at what baby boomers are leaving you. Look at the environment. Look at the taxes. Look, look at what you have to deal with. Just to get started right out of the gate. Right. And they start listening, you know, that, that okay, well, things, yeah, probably could be better because it sure was for the baby boomers. You could work in the summer and pay off a semester of school. I mean, those days are so far gone, you know. Plus, right. they, they can walk out. You know, the other big thing is, is, is trades. I'm talking to some of these college students who aren't happy, and I say, you know, there's a stigma that, that you have to have a graduate education. It's not true. You can go get a trade and perform and have just the highest quality of life as anybody else that has a four-year degree, and there's more jobs waiting for you out there. You know? Right. And, and I hope some of them took that to heart because they were real unhappy. They couldn't decide what they wanted to do because really there's not much of a job market out there. We've got enough lawyers. We've got enough, enough everything else, <laughs> you know? So I hope they listened. I, I hope they took it to heart. They seemed, they seemed to. So. Yeah, and, you know, when I, you know, I went up there, I, I campaigned around, and I found I got a lot of good, good, you know, response from most of the people that I spoke to. It's just a matter of getting the word out to even – more of the people to the, to get that name recognition, to get to get known, to get you know. And I think you said on your right. website you've raised more money than how many the last few or whatever. Uh, what last eight years. Last eight years, um, yeah. Well, I mean, you probably definitely raised more money that. than I did. <laughs> well, I'll tell you I what, said, it is the hardest thing in the world in the first district. Everybody tells me, well, why would I? I don't want to waste my money. You know, because they yeah. assume that Scalise is going to win over and over. And I have to, then I have to go into the whole history lesson of, you know, look at the last four campaigns. You know, three of them raised zero dollars, the Democrat did. How do you have right. a campaign against somebody throwing $2 million out when you have zero dollars? Right. You haven't seen a real campaign in eight years against Scalise. Um, I think he's nervous. I think he's nervous. There's another another candidate running in my district, and I give her credit. She's going to get votes that I can't get. I'm going to get votes that she can't get. And if we work together, we can get Scalise below 50. I can guarantee right. it. Right, that, and that's the main thing is that you have to get Scalise below 50. Like, And whichever one of you, and I haven't spoken to her yet, um, whichever one of you can, can get the, the second place is then that's the most important thing. Um, exactly. Exactly, and then and then the runoff, you know, all bets are off because no one's going to expect no one. As you said, right now, we'll probably expect him to get below fifty. So if he does get below fifty, um, and hey, what what would even be better is if you and her get first and second, and that would be lovely. But <laughs> guy would... can dream, can he? Yes, yes. Okay, so, so, so we... um, yeah, go ahead. No, as I said, we we have our, or at least our team does. We have a strategy in place. Um, that's why I, I've asked the other candidate to agree that we would no longer, you know, put each other's parties down or our campaigns down and simply focus on Scalise. We're not going to have this opportunity again. Um, right. But you mentioned, you mentioned the blue wave earlier. Um, and God, I, I have to admit, I hate the term blue wave <laughs> because only because 
it's, it's kind of a natural occurrence in nature as though I don't have to have any part in it to really for it to happen. And I want people to, they absolutely have to get, you know, involved um, and pull their neighbors, everybody else to make this that's happen. A great point. Absolutely can't happen. So that's, a, that's a, my own personal thing because I really want more people to get engaged. Um, I'm bringing more democratic uh, voters who, you know, were reluctantly would have voted however they did or they didn't vote at all, but I'm, I'm bringing them in. I'm showing how we can actually make it a serious change. I don't think any district is too red to flip in this country, period. Right. So I mean, gerrymandering, gerrymandering is terrible. I mean, we should have two oh, democratic districts. We should have, I've had that discussion a couple of weeks back on the show. There's a game that people have created that basically is called map maker. And it's about, um, basically, you you and your opponents fight over borders of districts to to gerrymander it so you win. Um, it, it's a it's a brilliant game, at least it's a brilliant sounding game, and it, it, I'm very much looking forward to playing it. Um, but it's also like these people are like like there's there are funding levels where you would pay a certain amount of money, and then like all the Supreme Court would each get a copy of the game, so that so that they would see hey. You know, people are really making this big stink about gerrymandering and something needs to be done. But until that happens, you definitely need a lot of people to come out and, you know, you know, the, the districts aren't usually drawn that badly so that it's impossible. Um, they're usually typically in Republican states, they're usually driven so that a Republican can't win the liberal district. But then so you have a, you have a nice you have smaller cushions right. in those other districts, which makes those other districts winnable if you have more people come out. So exactly. I, I saw some, uh, I was looking at numbers the other day and it was exactly on that. It was gerrymandering. They even had graphs where you could create your own districts and see how fair you could get them and stuff. But what was interesting was that mathematically we should, should, should we should have two democratic um, districts out of the six here in Louisiana, but Correct. due to gerrymandering, like you just said, uh, we have one. Right. We have, there was 45% of the state who voted for Democrats in most of the statewide elections in the last gubernatorial race. 50, 10% of the Republicans voted for our current governor um, because they couldn't stomach voting for Vitter, which is, you know, yay. But a good 45%, even, but even 34, 35% voted for Hillary Clinton, which, and that's a good one third, and one third of six is two. So, yeah, that, that, that's, right. we, we are a state that is un fairly represented in Congress because there should be two and not one. So that's not necessarily something that's going to convince the first congressional district to vote for or against you or whatever, but the, you know, in, in the end of the day, it's, it's, it's one mm-hmm. of those other things that needs to be tackled both at the state and I think federal level. So, but you know, again, I, and speaking of, speaking of John Bell, I got to give him credit. I mean, I, I talk about him every time I get a chance to talk to people I mean, I, mm. the fact that, I mean, the very first day in office, he expands Medicare, uh, Medicaid right. in, in the state. You know, all of a sudden, I mean, he's he's attractive to Republicans and Democrats. He really is. Um, and I know he's going to be having a hard time with Kennedy next year. Um, right. So just do what you can, fight for him, whatever you can. We need him. Okay, well, can we get a, a final, uh, can we get a final uh, comment from you before we go ahead and close the show? Yes, I would like to say that, as I mentioned, the, the previous campaigns uh, resulted into a belief that Scalise always wins. And I want people to know that that is not true. And if we can throw a campaign, I'm, I'm probably three, 400,000 from having a really solid, real campaign against him because I don't have the right name recognition like Scalise has, that we could actually flip the seat. The numbers are there. Um, and I'll tell you, if you factor in them placing Kavanaugh on the, on the Supreme Court, it keeps a lot of Republicans at home. It was one of the motivating factors for them to come out to vote for Trump because of that open Supreme Court seat. So right. if you want to be strategic, I don't want to give up that court seat, but it's obviously going to get, get filled one way or another. And they're cramming everything they can in in this two-year period, knowing that this November we will be flipping the House. And, and I'm all for it, and I'm glad to be part of it. So donate okay, well, is what I'm saying. Donate. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, and people can find your out for your campaign. What, do you have a Facebook page? 
I, I do. Uh, Jim Francis for Congress.com. That's my website. Facebook, Jim Francis for Congress. Uh, my Twitter, which is actually very interesting. Um, so they tell me is Jim Francis LA01. So stop by and take a look if you can. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you again for uh, calling in. And um, if we can have you back maybe later on in the campaign, and maybe we'll be able to interview, be your uh, first interview when you uh, come up victorious. You know, my door will always be open to you. I promise. Excellent. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And you have a good rest of your rest of your day and good luck on your campaign. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Bye-bye. And again, if you want to uh, find out more about Jim Francis for Congress and his first uh, con- first district congressional campaign here in Louisiana, uh, you go to jimfrancis4congress.com. Uh, you can find him on Facebook as well, and you can go on Twitter. It's uh, jimfrancisla01 on Twitter. And trying to find my little button here. There you go. And that is the end of this week's episode of Liberal Day and Radio. Uh, you can tune in next Wednesday, and I'll be here again, 8 p.m. Central, here on blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. You can also go to facebook.com slash liberaldan and at liberaldanradio on Twitter. Until uh, next week, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Dan Radio. Talk for the left. Talk for the left. That's right. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.